lift the mood or keep us on the mood. Just take us back. Imagine five minutes ago where you're at. Let's go back there, shall we? Let's go back to the happy place. It's 34, 20, 32. Uh, what's going to happen the rest of this evening? Well, just to paint a little bit of a picture. In a moment, um, we are going to uh, sing a couple of uh, favorite Rugby hymns, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, the organ's going to be blasting it out, we'll sing it together. Uh, on the back of that, I'm going to share, um, just speak for 10 minutes or so, just on it. give me 10 minutes, uh, just to share a little bit about the Christian faith. Uh, on Wednesday evening, we begin what is called the Alpha Course. You might have heard of Alpha before, it's an opportunity to explore the meaning of life, ask those big questions which we all have, and we would love to invite all of you to come along just this Wednesday, come and try it out once, to see... Uh, what life's all about, um, to hear a bit about the Christian faith. Uh, and this talk tonight is really by means of introduction for that. But before we sing even any of those hymns, we have a professional rugby player in our midst. So uh, I thought it'd be interesting to hear a bit about his story and what it's like to actually play in games a little bit like that. So um, Chris, come and uh, rescue the situation and lift our spirits. Please give it up for Chris Elder. Oh, Chris, I don't know. I almost want to go home right now. Thank you for not leaving immediately. How are you feeling after that match? Um, yeah, a little, little broken by that one, actually. Would have liked to see them go through. Yeah, that would have been strong. So you're a rugby player. Who do you play for? Uh, I play for London Welsh. Fantastic. Not Welsh, though. Don't confuse that one. <laughs> you are an Englishman. Yeah, well, I'm an Englishman, but play for London Welsh, yeah. Um, so just give us a flavour. I mean, we're watching, we're Rugby World Cup season at the moment. We're seeing these incredible matches with these teams just going head-to-head, -head, and some awesome collisions. I mean, these are big guys, you know, running full pelt. You're a big guy. I mean, what are you coming in at? Height, weight, give us the stats. <laughs> um, about six foot four and just over 17 stone. Just 17 stones, 108 kilograms, I yeah. think you said earlier. Yeah, and what do you, you run the 100 in? 11 ish seconds. 11 ish, so just a bit slower than me. Um, so. <laughs> Don't test that. What, Chris, collision, like tackling people running at you, someone at your side, what's it like being on the end of a tackle, some guy that I, weight or more? I think I once got told that it's meant to be the same as getting hit by a car at 30 miles an hour. 30 um, miles. Are you in yeah. another car or are you just yeah. uh, on your own? <laughs> Walking. Um, yeah, it's, it's big collisions. Luckily, you get used to it. You, if you grow up doing it, then it's not just all of a sudden you get hit once. But um, they're big collisions, and, and you get sore, you get injuries and things like that. But the backroom staff is a massive bit to all of that. So the, the amount the guys do after the game to try and sort out what happens in the game <laughs> is um, yeah, massively outweighs in times of time. Uh, but yeah, the collisions are, are not the most exciting bit of the game for most people. Although you get some brutes that actually that's the only bit of the game they want to do. <laughs> really? And so how do you feel when some of these giants are running towards I mean, if, if any names we'd know, guys coming towards you from the international <laughs> stage? So, yeah, some of the uh, premiership teams had some of the big guys in. And I was telling you earlier about Alesso Tuolangi, who I think weighs close to... Manali Tuolangi's yeah, brother. Older, yeah, older, bigger brother. Older, bigger brother. Um, and I think he's 22 stone or something like that, and, uh, right, right. and an islander, and they somehow have extra strength. So, um, yeah, he's, he's run at me a couple of times, and that's not a nice thing to see. You spend most of the time <laughs> working out how you can get someone else to tackle them. Uh, <laughs> cover, so, cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the big question, did you take him down? 
Yeah. My <laughs> man. That's my boy. Yeah, yeah, give it up. So, Chris, I mean, you're, you're a Christian. You're a member of uh, St. Dionys Church here with us. Um, tough environment to be a Christian in, the rugby world. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, um, it's one of these environments where there's a lot of pressure on everyone in, in a rugby team, in a rugby club. Um, there's a lot of sort of different cultures that go along with rugby as well. I mean, drinking is one of the biggest ones. Um, and sort of going out as teams and you need it and, and all the Christians in the rugby teams don't shy away from going out with the team and bonding and stuff but it's then trying to choose and pick and choose when you kind of manage to follow through with your Christian life in that situation and when to kind of get out or, or when, when you're making any, any sort of waves your own way mm. um, but yeah there's definitely different pressures that you, you feel in a, in a rugby club than you would elsewhere um, and that definitely tries to sometimes put some strain on, on, on sort of question your Christian, Christian life but on the flip side it's also amazing because I mean rugby is known as the sport that is made for all shapes and sizes um, but it's the same for all personalities as well I mean it's such a diverse kind of range of, of people in each rugby club that you go to um, and it's great because especially being a Christian you get known to be a Christian within a team, everyone kind of just will label you as it. Not in a bad way at all, but um, you you tend to actually get quite a few guys within a season that will just happen to bring it up in conversation, will happen to ask one or two little questions when they're one-on-one with you, even on nights out and stuff. Um, and it's really actually quite amazing because it, it gives you these, some opportunities that you, I don't think you'd get in many other places where you've got guys that you're basically brothers with anyway. You spend every single day with each other um, and you get these opportunities to talk to them quite frankly about certain things about Christianity, about Christianity, about living your life and their life and what they want. Um, and yeah, so it's really quite special to get that opportunity mm. in the rugby club as well. And what difference would you say that Jesus makes to your own life? I mean, it's no end. Um, it's just being able to live such a full and sort of happy life and know that my worries aren't in rugby or my worries aren't in making money with rugby or, or fame from that kind of thing which a lot of people worry about or have their focus on and, and knowing that I'm always in one of God's plans and I've got something there for me and, and I've got the people around me especially from St. Dee's or from, uh, from home with my parents being Christians as well that I'm surrounded with these people that the focus is God not the focus being anything else um, and that just makes a massive difference because it, it really lets you be able to live, live your life and really get on with everything you want to do with such a positive mindset. Mm, fantastic. Chris, um, just for the sake of anyone out there who might be thinking of joining us on Wednesday evening to give Alpha a go and uh, hear a bit more about this, your faith, uh, what Christianity is all about, what would you say to them, anyone thinking about oh, it? I'd say massively go for it. I mean, I've spoken to a couple of the rugby boys that want to do it and things like that, and everyone who's kind of got questions, whether it's kind of already a Christian and, and just want to cement that or want to delve into it further or really not sure what on earth you believe, um, but you can go to this to Alpha and just ask away or or really delve into these issues and, and get people like Pat who really know their stuff and can uh, lead you in that way and, and answer some questions. 
Not all of them, I'm sure. <laughs> Not but yeah, quite can all answer of them. those questions um, from their point of view. And yeah, it really should just go for it. Fantastic. Chris, thanks so much. Would you give it up for Chris Elder? So we're just about to sing a couple of hymns, then I'm going to share a few thoughts, uh, and the hog roast is cooking away outside, so don't go anywhere. Uh, we're going to have a feast, and then we're going to have a party later on. But why don't you stand for now, and as we stand, we are going to sing together a couple of classic hymns. The words should come up on the screen.
Wonderful. Please do take your seats. So the reason we chose those hymns is because they're well-known rugby hymns, relatively well-known stills. Obviously, Bread of Heaven, the Welsh hymn, See You Later, Wales, and Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. My favorite tweet was uh, Bishop, the Bishop of Kensington, Graham Tomlin, who, after England's demise, uh, wrote, uh, they swung a little too low on this occasion. Um, so anyway, it's been a bit of an agonizing experience, this World Cup, hasn't it? Especially if, if you are an England fan or a Scottish one uh, today. Um, and even more agonizing, when you go up into the commentary box at halftime and you see there uh, Johnny Wilkinson and Lawrence Delalio, Clive Woodward, the heroes of a bygone era, looking at you, and all you want to say to them is, get back out on the pitch, go and make things better. But you know what, it's interesting because Johnny, uh, ever since he won the World Cup and um, went on playing a little longer, but since his retirement, has spoken openly and honestly about how tough that's been for him, retiring, leaving the game behind that he loves, and how hard he's found it to find true satisfaction. It raises the question, doesn't it? I mean, if Johnny Wilkinson, World Cup winner from the lofty heights, is struggling to find satisfaction in life, where are we, mere mortals, in so many ways, meant to find it. I think looking back on my life, uh, I didn't always uh, grow up as a Christian. Um, I came to faith when I was 18 years of age, but as I look back, I was perfectly, seemingly happy, relatively balanced before then, enjoying life. But actually, as I look back, I think I could say that I was always missing something. I mean, it's not that I went around in life saying something's missing, what is wrong with me? But I think I was aware that deep inside, something was missing. And I lived life uh, always for the next thing. You know, I never lived in the moment. I was never living uh, for the day. I always sort of said, you know, when I get this, then I'll be happy. When I get there, then I'll know happiness. Maybe this is the answer. I don't know, maybe it's something like that for you. I remember as a teenager thinking at school, you know, when I'm a prefect... <laughs> You know, when I'm a prefect, then I'll be happy. And then I became a, a, a lowly prefect somehow. <laughs> and it was great for about three weeks, you know, being able to boss people around. But then I thought, there must be more than this. And I thought, you know, it'll be when I leave school. You know, uh, when I leave school, that will be the answer. Freedom. And I eventually did leave school. And it was great for about three weeks. After that, I thought, there must be life, more life, more to life than this. Then I thought, well, maybe if I get a girlfriend. Somehow or other, I managed to get a girlfriend. And for about three weeks, um, <laughs> I tease. I think it's more like two weeks for her. <laughs> I think it's easy to go through life. You get to the next stage, you get to whatever it is, and then you think, is this it? There's got to be more to life than this. Bernard Levin uh, was one of the great columnists of uh, last century, writing a long time ago, um, and he wasn't a Christian. And one time he wrote, for the 14,000th time, I'm not a Christian. But this is what he wrote. He said, countries like ours, talking about Britain, are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire, together with such non-material blessings as a happy family, and yet lead lives of quiet desperation, understanding nothing but the fact that there is a hole inside of them. 
And however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, however many well-balanced children and loyal friends they parade around the edges of it, it aches. And I think looking back, that's what I was experiencing. There was a kind of hole inside, sort of like a hunger. I suppose you could describe it as a spiritual hunger. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I'm the one person who can satisfy that spiritual hunger that really nothing else satisfies. Singing that hymn, Bread of Heaven. I heard of one Japanese woman who described it like this. She said, in Japan, it's like we have two stomachs. One stomach is for ordinary food, for meat, for potatoes, that kind of stuff. That's like, I guess, the stuff Bernard Levin's talking about. Those good things, maybe possessions or relationships, all that kind of thing. That fills up one stomach. But, she said, it's like I've got another stomach. And she described this as the rice stomach. She said, unless we eat rice, we don't feel satisfied. And I guess if Jesus had been speaking to her, he'd have said, I'm the rice of life. I'm the one who can satisfy that other stomach, that kind of spiritual hunger. Now, why is that? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I heard of a, a Swedish au pair who was working in London with a family, and uh, she hadn't quite mastered uh, English idioms, or at least not all of them. And one time she heard the children making a massive racket, not unlike today <laughs> at times, uh, upstairs. And uh, she ran upstairs to go into the room, and as she went into the room, what she meant to say was, what on earth are you doing? But what she actually said was, what are you doing on earth? <laughs> but actually, that's a great question to ask. What are we doing on earth? Where do we come from? Where are we heading? Who, who am I? What's the point of my life? Is there any real meaning and purpose to life? These are what you might call the first order questions of life. And a lot of people spend their time trying to find some kind of ultimate meaning or purpose in life. Freddie Mercury, who was the lead singer in the rock group Queen, favorite of many of yours, I know, had amassed a huge fortune, attracted thousands of fans, but he admitted in an interview shortly before his death that he was desperately lonely. He said this, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. And ultimately, there is only one relationship that is totally loving and totally ongoing, that goes on forever. And that's a relationship with God. And Jesus said, I'm the way to that relationship. Jesus also said, I am the truth. You might be here this evening saying, well, that's great. That's great for you. Nice for you. In this relationship with Jesus, you know, that you find meaning and purpose, but it's not for me. 
But the thing is, logically, that just can't be the case. Because if it's true, then it's true for everyone. And if it's not true, well, actually, it's not great for me or Chris or any of your other Christian friends. So it really matters whether it's true. C.S. Lewis, great author, put it like this. Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance. But if true, of infinite importance. The one thing it can't be is moderately important. So that's the question. Is it true? That's what we'll be looking at over the next eight weeks uh, on the Alpha course. We'll look at that question in a lot more detail this coming Wednesday as we look at the question, who is Jesus? Who was this man? What's the evidence that he even existed? And you know, as I began this Christian journey 18 years ago, it astonished me how much evidence there is for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Of course, there are many highly intelligent people who are atheists, but it was quite encouraging to discover that there are a lot of highly intelligent people who've looked at the evidence and come to the conclusion that it's true. Historians, for instance, one former professor of modern history at Oxford University described the resurrection as the best attested fact in history. I hadn't really realized how many pioneers of modern science were actually believers. Descartes, Newton, Kepler, Galileo, Copernicus, Faraday, Boyle, Mendel, Kelvin, Pasteur, Lister, Maxwell, Simpson. I could go on. Or take one of the great scientists of our time, Francis Collins, who was director of the historic Human Genome Project, one of the most respected genetic biologists in the world. He talks about how he investigated the evidence and was amazed. And he said, uh, on looking at the evidence, he had to come to the conclusion it was true. And going out one day, looking at the beauty of creation, he simply knelt in the dewy grass and gave his life to Jesus Christ. All these people, great minds, looked at the evidence and decided that it was true. Jesus Christ was and is who he said he is. Meaning he's alive today and you and I can know him. Jesus said, I am the truth. And finally, Jesus said, I am the life. You know, so many think Christianity is boring and put it off because they think it's, it's all about rules. I remember being at a drinks party once and uh, getting into a conversation with someone and uh, came up that I was a Christian and this girl simply asked me, oh yeah, just remind me, what does that mean you can't do? <laughs> That's the picture people have, isn't it? It's all about rules, what you can't do. Now, yes, there are some rules, and there are rules in life because God loves us. He doesn't say don't murder because it's so fun to go around killing people. We've just been watching a game of rugby. Rugby isn't quite the same game if there are no touchlines, if there's no referee, if there are no rules. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. He said he'd come to deal with the stuff that stops us having that, to deal with the bad stuff, the things that spoil our lives, make a mess of things, that stop us enjoying life to the full. He came to deal with guilt. And this is the amazing news, that God loves you, that God loves me. You are loved. 
It's the most important thing to take away, even if we never see you again and you don't turn up for Alpha on Wednesday night. Just leave tonight knowing this. You are loved. God loves you. And he came in the person of his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sake and mine, to take on himself our guilt, the bad stuff we'd done, to take our place in order that we should be free to enjoy life and enjoy it to the full. And because he rose again and is alive today, it means we can know him. We can have relationship with him, a relationship that goes on forever. And you know what? In the last 18 years of being a Christian, I've found that really to be true, that you can know Jesus Christ, the love, the joy, the peace that he alone can pour into your hearts to meet that spiritual hunger. I've discovered that Jesus really is the bread of life, the bread of heaven that we sang about earlier. He's the one who gives us meaning and purpose. He's the one who satisfies that hunger. He's the one who brings true satisfaction. So I'd love to invite you to join us on Wednesday. Don't worry, you don't have to come for the whole eight weeks. Just come this Wednesday, 7.15 p.m. Come and hear a bit more about who Jesus really was, what he did, the claims he made, what we as Christians believe. There'll be dinner served up, a delicious meal is being prepared, almost already. Uh, doors open 7.15 p.m. We have food together, then we hear a talk. I'll be speaking a little bit like this. And then we go back into groups for coffee and discussion about all we've heard. And if you never want to come back again, there's no pressure. But we'd love to have you with us. So thank you so much for listening tonight. If you want to take away one of these cards, they're on the tables or your chair. Just as a reminder, feel free to take it away, pop it in your pocket. We'd love to have you with us. For now, we're going to stand, we're going to sing one final hymn, and after that, we're going to head outside, grab some pork in a bap, bring it back in here, and let the party continue. Does that sound good? Cool. Why don't we stand? And let's sing Amazing Grace together.
that if you enjoyed tonight, well, you can enjoy it all over again next week because we're doing exactly the same thing for the semi-final. Woo! So join us again, same time, I think, 3.30 p.m. for Australia against Argentina, Clash of the Titans. Head outside the main entrance, make your way along there, and in the front garden, you'll pick up a hog roast. Five pounds suggested donation, please. Thank you very much. Do stick around. Thank you. For